I do my best to live a healthy lifestyle. I try to get out there, work out, break a sweat when possible. I'm not necessarily a fitness or a, a wellness freak, but I'm just trying to be a little bit healthier every single day, which is where Sun Warrior comes into play for me. It is a plant-based, eco-friendly, performance-boosting, all things brand that I want to talk about. And it's their active nutrition line that is something that I've been messing around with over the course of the past couple of months. And it's really working out for me because with protein, creatine, pre-workout and hydration, these products are designed to optimize your performance. And I'm always up for optimizing any aspect of my life, even boosting my own energy reserves or being more hydrated after a long day in the gym or on the golf course. It really does turbocharge my recovery. It's something that I really take seriously and it's real nutrition for real life. So go check out sunwarrior.com and use code FIRST. Freaking first cut. Golly. Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your recap episode for this week's Sanderson Farms Championship. And joining me to break it all down, it's him. It's really him. It's Greg Dushar. Greg, what's up, buddy? What's going on, Rick? How's everything going? Uh, things are great. Yeah, how are things with you? Uh, I know you had a, a really exciting um, little week this week. It's been a busy week, you know, splitting time between Sanderson Farms and... The long drive. That's right. The law, the PLDA long drive world championship. Yes, it has been exciting. We're going to talk about it all. It's It's been fun. Yeah, I can't wait to hear your thoughts from uh, being there on site because <laughs> it's pretty exciting stuff. I have a lot of thoughts. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. That's that's later in the show. But for now, let's talk Sanderson Farms. And let me set the scene for you here, Greg, because entering the final round, there were some kind of interesting names atop the leaderboard. Sahith Tagala uh, had a one-shot yep. lead over Cameron Tringale, Denny McCarthy, Sam Burns, and Cameron Young. So when you look at those five, I see a couple of young guys trying to make a name for themselves, trying to get their first ever victory. You see someone like Sam Burns trying to break through for the second time in his last, I don't know, 87 or so starts. These events in the fall, they breed this type of leaderboard, which I find it exciting because these are this is not John Rahm versus Bryson DeChambeau. This is not Dustin Johnson uh, versus Rory McIlroy. These guys have a lot to play for. Yeah, and and it's a it's, it's a different kind of event for that reason. And we get a different style of play this time of year. And guys have different kinds of opportunities and different things that they're playing for. And it's really cool to get a chance to see them go out there and and handle pressure or not handle pressure or struggle or have a great go of it. And um and and they learn a lot. And the thing that really struck me about this leaderboard was the uh, the number of corn fairy tour players. And yep. we've said it every year, it seems, uh, and it, it's becoming more and more apparent that the lines, this is your line, Rick, the line between the corn fairy tour and the PGA tour, they've never been more blurred. So it's been really cool to see. Yeah, it, it really has. And when you, 
even on Saturday, I mean, Sahith, let's be real, was all over the planet with the driver. And you could tell he was battling nerves. He was battling a position that it's difficult to be in and he's never been in before. And we see this all the time. I mean, even Denny McCarthy, who is a more established PGA Tour pro trying to break through, it's just it's hard to win, Greg. It's really hard yeah. to win. We say it every single week, and it's demonstrated, I think, beautifully here at the Sanderson Farms. Yes, um, especially when you have to shoot the scores that you have to shoot to win. Yeah. Which is the thing. I mean, j if you just look down this leaderboard, right, you got 67, 65, 68, 64, 66, 66, 68. The list goes on and on. The, the final round scoring on the PGA Tour from these players is outstanding to say the least. And it makes for a really compelling events. It makes for really compelling tournaments. And it really, maybe the best aspect of all is it really tests these young guys and it sees, can you go out there in all the pressure of a Sunday round on the PGA tour, the real thing you, you got your card, you've made it to the show, the thing you've dreamed of all the time. Now you have a chance. Can you, can you seal the deal? And not many can. And and that's why it's so difficult to, to go and do it. When the dust settled, it was Sam Burns atop the leaderboard. Sam Burns, the highest ranked player in the field, the 25th ranked player in the world, the favorite to win, my pick to win. We'll talk more about that in just a second. And Sam Burns gets the job done for his second PGA Tour victory after winning last year's Valspar Championship. And Greg, when you look at his performance, it was a weekend of 65-67. I think that speaks very much to what type of scoring and what type of conditions that we get at the country club club of Jackson, where you just need to continue to constantly put your foot on the pedal. We saw him with uh, a handful of birdie streaks throughout uh, this event, three holes in a row, four holes in a row, whatever it takes. You got to make birdies to win this event. And Sam Burns did just that. Yes. Um, and, and coming down the stretch, especially it was it really impressive. What he did with the driver was, I would say, elite for the entire back nine. Um, and and they were not just in the fairway, but they were long. And that's a not an easy thing to do for a lot of guys. So really cool to see him handle that um, and get the job done again. And the other thing that really strikes me about Sam Burns is on this leaderboard, he's the best player. He's the guy who's expected to win. And, and he did that. And, and that's not easy when the expectations are on you, whether you put them on yourself or somebody else does when you're the guy. Well, now all of a sudden it's really difficult. And he said, okay, I know I am the guy and he got the job done. And, um, and he, and he should have looking at this leaderboard. If he left without a win, he would have said that should have been my tournament and he did everything he had to do. So I, I think it's a big stepping stone in the right direction for a guy that's been on this path for a long time. Sam Burns over the course of this week led the field in strokes gained off the tee second in the field in strokes gained approach. He actually lost nearly two strokes putting over the course of four days, which is not something that you normally see out of a winner because usually a winner can roll the rock to me. This is an illustration that Sam Burns is on the verge of stardom. And I don't know what that necessarily means, Greg, but I, I think Sam Burns is the modern player. 
I think he's long. I think that he hits his irons well. I think he putts it well, even though he lost strokes putting this week. I think he has a high ceiling. I think Sam Burns is poised for an absolutely breakout season, and he gets it started with his first start of the year. Yeah, it's already, you could argue, a breakout year um, with with another win. Last year, combine it into this year, this calendar year has been a breakout year. Uh, and it all it's done is continue. So that's extremely exciting. Very cool to see. And the thing about the putting with him is he is a great putter. Typically top 10 on tour last year. And he's always been a top, at least top 40, at least top 35 guy throughout his career. So the thing that's really grown for him is the iron play. And it's the, the thing I guess you could say is in question. Um, leading into this year if you're looking at sam burns long term what kind of player is he like kyle likes to talk about what kind of ceiling does he have well he's not limited by that iron play so for that reason this is a really big step because he was second for the week in strokes gain approach the green he gained eight you know over eight shots and he's first in driving so you you combine he's the best ball striker in the field and then you do enough on the greens to get the job done the other thing is rick he lost two shots on friday's round um, on the greens and there wasn't really anything too bad after that i guess on on sunday he lost a half shot putting but um the way yeah. he hit it clearly didn't matter it's interesting when you look back at sam burns year last season because i think when you look back and you say okay he won the valspar that's a success and let's be real anytime you win in a season it's a success i think that's i think that's very clear but there were a lot of other close calls the week after or his it wasn't the week after it was his start after his victory he finished runner up at the byron nelson he had the lead on the back nine on sunday at riviera he was in the final group at tory pines when patrick reed had you know, the, the scandal and he ends up winning at Tory Pines. This is actually a guy who continues to put himself in position. And if a couple of things rolled different last season, he might've been a multiple time winner. I'm so excited, Greg. I cannot wait to see what Sam Burns does this year. Yeah. And I am in general, I'm expecting really good things. I I think it's going to be a year that we expect. I I think he's going to live up to that because he's growing up. He's just simply growing up and his belief is only getting stronger and stronger and stronger. And when you combine raw ability, the raw ability that he has, maybe yeah. raw is the wrong word, but when you combine the talent and abilities that he have with belief, it's hard to stop. And he has contended in a, an event on a really difficult golf course like the Valspar. Um, he can he here where it's kind of more of a birdie fest. He knows he can win there. He contended at the Genesis. He's played well in a couple majors as well. Um, not as well as he would have liked. Um, but but he had a top ten in a would he have a top ten in the open this year? He had a no, so let's see. He played uh did he not play the open oh, you know what he did? T T seventy six. He made the cut. Okay. Uh, no, so it wasn't, that's not yeah. what I'm thinking of. Anyway, the, I expect him this year to start putting himself in position in majors, whether that's a top 10, a, a win. I don't, I don't know what that, what that looks like, but I expect him to start getting into these events and feeling like he can do it under the gun. And I do think he's in, he, he has that kind of game and I think he can, start to believe that. And when you play the way he did at the Genesis 
on a, a major championship type golf course, usually in near, at least very near major championship conditions with a major championship quality field, then, I mean, that's got to be proof that you can do it. So yeah. I, I think he's now proved that it's not like, oh, he's got a thing with Riviera. Some <laughs> players have. They played really well in big events because it's at a course that they love. I, I don't think that's what we're dealing with with Sam Burns here. So um, exciting times for him. Let's talk about the runners up. Uh, Cameron Young and Nick Watney. Let's talk about Watney, who, you know, it's a name that if you've been following golf, you recognize. Uh, I probably would not have realized that he is inside the top 50 of career earnings all time because that is actually the exemption that he used, Greg. The, the one-time career earnings exemption that he used for this season. And, you know, he had a 36-hole co-lead he was trying to win his fifth career pga tour title nine years removed from his last to go out and shoot a 65 on sunday and finish in a tie for second that's that's huge for him it's it's a way to to start this season off in a big way hopefully you keep this momentum rocking and rolling and you get your card for next year right and you don't have to worry about any of these exemptions nick watney played beautifully this week he did, uh, and and to post a score like that is really impressive and really important. Also, last week a nice tied thirty finish, so you combine those two, and and it's looking like something that's real. But if you look at what he did last year, um, he, I mean, it was pretty. He was working banker hours. Let's just say that he didn't work the weekend very much. Okay, and, and the scores were pretty high, so it, it was not a great year for him. It, um, he missed nineteen cuts. He only made six. And there were a couple times where I thought we might be seeing a little resurgence of Nick Watney. I think that was actually the year. It might have been two years. I mean, yeah, maybe it was last. It was 2020, early 2020, end of 19 calendar year. And he's he finishes tied 10th at the Safeway, tied 28th at the at the Houston Open, tied 14th at the RSM. And I was thinking maybe there's a little bit of a comeback here. But after that, just a whole bunch of nothing uh, for two straight years. So it's good to see him back in, in contention. Good to see him back in the mix. I like what I see out of these first two starts with the T30, a good round on Sunday, getting yourself a tied second finish. It, it's a big deal and it can keep him. It, it can keep him relevant for a while. He's 40 years old and, and he hits it far enough. He hits it plenty far to, to compete out there. So I, I don't think he's a guy who's in no man's land, um, but he's, he's just got him do what he is. He's got to keep doing what he's doing and make sure he's got status. The other man, Cameron Young, uh, PGA Tour rookie, finally makes his first cut in five PGA Tour starts, but no stranger to the winner's circle on the Corn Ferry. In fact, he won twice last summer, back to back starts, which certainly helps. And this to me, Greg, is. Uh, it's not a passing of the torch. When we say passing of the torch, it's usually like generational, right? It's like uh, Jordan passing the torch to LeBron, right? It's like, I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking about, and, and you mentioned it earlier with, with the, the line being blurred, the bottom, like 75 guys on the PGA tour, they're passing the torch to these corn fairy guys. These corn fairy guys coming up, getting their car, they're so good. And you are, this is not an aberration. You're going to continue to see these names near the top of the leaderboard all season long. Yes, because they're really good. I mean, think about the last group of 
guys that we've had who are the 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 top player, whether they won the Corn Ferry Tour or not. The top player coming out of the Corn Ferry Tour, you have Sung J.M. Mm-hmm. You have, and I, I'm just starting at Sung J.M. because I yep. think it's a recognizable starting spot, and he's a friend of the show. Um, <laughs> so, you know, definitely. you know what I mean. Yeah. So you have Sung J.M., you have Scotty Scheffler, yep. you have Will Zalatoris, yep. and now you're going to have uh, um, Amito Pereira, maybe. Um, yep. Maybe a Sahith Gala, yep. who, uh, I mean, look, he he clearly is very good. Cam Young showing that. So the point is, when the when the top guy comes out and competes like that for that many years in a row, and you now have this database and this record of Corn Ferry Tour players going to the PGA Tour and having success, not just eventual success, but success right away, and uh, that's a really cool thing, and it helps these other guys believe. So I got a I got a Cam Young story real quick because he's a Matt Section guy. And um, so he's somewhat local. His dad's a golf professional at Sleepy Hollow uh, and also a very good player in his own right. But anyway, um, I was covering the longest day in golf, which was at mm-hmm. um, in the New York area at Old Oaks and Century. And it was this blustery, northeast, windy day. Uh, I mean, it's not Lynx golf. It, it's not blowing 20, but it's just blustery. And it's really gusty and it's hard. And the golf courses, these old line golf courses are really tricky. They're they're long, but they're tricky. Small greens, angled, deep bunkers with nasty lips. And there's just kind of trouble every they're they're not inviting golf courses where you would think, okay, uh, this is a birdie opportunity. This is a birdie opportunity. They're they're tricky. Hard greens to read. Anyway, um, Cam Young comes around the back nine and shoots 31 in the afternoon and ends up winning the qualifier. But mm. that that second nine, he just he flipped a switch and just turned it on. It was kind of a slow start. He was kind of dragging, not a lot going on over the first 31, uh, or, or I'm sorry, 27 holes. Um, and then all of a sudden he flips a switch and turns it on and, and makes birdie after birdie after birdie in brutal conditions. Nobody else. There are other tour players there. I mean, Kelly Kraft is there. Rob Oppenheim is there. These guys are also in the mix and, and they're, um, I mean, I mean, it's not a major, but these guys are really good players. And Cam Young's a guy you don't really necessarily know about who goes out and shoots 31. Then the next year he goes out and shoots 31 again, gets himself (laughs) back into the U S open on his last nine. And so, I mean, it, it just showed me that he's got guts. He's got the ability to do it. That, that's a level of ability that most local players don't have. Like local stars, local good players don't go out there and shoot those kind of scores. And I said, okay, if you can go do that on this day. You've got something. Then he gets on the corn fairy tour. I was watching him. He wins twice. Say, okay, this guy, that's, that's why he goes out and does that. Cause he's a PGA tour player. He just does just doesn't have a card yet. But he's a tour player. Yeah, fascinating. The, the The level of talent across this game, 
I don't care what tour, I don't care what universe. It's it's phenomenal. It's the it's the deepest it's ever been, and it will probably continue to be uh, that deep moving forward. Speaking of, how about Sahith? Sahith, we talked about. The, how about this for de- a decorated player? He in last year he won the Haskins, he won the Ben Hogan Award, and he won the Jack Nicholas Award. The fifth player ever to win all three awards in the same year, and then oh by the way, enters the final round at the Sanderson Farms with a one shot lead goes out in three under Greg goes out in three under before stumbling with bogeys at 10 and 11 another bogey at 13 and in a birdie fest that is the Sanderson Farms at the Country Club of Jackson that is not going to be enough he finishes three shots back t8 uh great start right great start to this kind of PGA tour career he might feel a little bit disappointed on this Sunday evening thinking that one got away but remember Sahith uh winning is difficult keep putting yourself in position and you'll find a way yeah he's definitely disappointed there's no question about it when you lose by three and you make three bogeys and four holes on the back nine that feels like like a choke um yeah and Maybe it is. I don't know. One of them is a par five, right? You hit it in the water on 11, and that's that's disappointing. And I'm not taking anything away from Sahith. I'm just saying he's disappointed right now, and that's how he feels right now. But that being said, this is a guy who, because he was so decorated, we've been watching a little bit, and you kind of yeah. expect him to be that guy to come out on the PGA Tour and shine. And maybe with his pedigree, maybe his pedigree lines up with, a Scotty Scheffler, a guy who did really well on the Corn Ferry Tour. You know, he's one of those guys. He's in that class. And then you go see his his school, Pepperdine, then the very next year without him, go win a national championship. And you realize, okay, this guy was the best player who the thing that held him away from a national championship was that there wasn't one. Right? He didn't have the opportunity. And they they were the best team. And then he leaves. You lose your best player. And they win the national championship and it highlights in a way how good Sahith really is. Um, so I, I, I find that very interesting. And then, you know, is this really a choke? The timing makes you think that it makes you think he, the nerves got the best of him. His body language made you think the nerves got, got the best of him, but you can play golf well nervous. You absolutely can talk to Tiger. I mean, it, there are certain guys who figure out how to, to play Tiger. when they're nervous. I don't, don't use Tiger as an example. Use anybody else as an example, please. Uh, well, I use Tiger for a reason, Rick. One, I know you can talk to him, so just... You, I'll uh, call you know, him. Yeah, I'll text him. Yeah, give him a call and say, hey, can you play good when you're nervous? But he talks about all, all the time how nervous he would get on the first tee and how important it is to be nervous on the first tee. And the goal is not to learn how to get rid of your nerves. It's learn how to play when you're feeling yeah. nervous, feeling uncomfortable. How do you handle it? Not how do you get rid of it? How do you, what, what strategies do you use to fuel that energy forward? And, and he probably knows how to do that and just didn't this time. The guy led three straight rounds on the PGA tour. That's not easy to do. I don't care. I mean, and the law of averages would say he's going to have a bad round. It's so rare that somebody wins wire to wire out on tour. It's it's more likely than not that this is going to happen. And it's not necessarily because he's nervous or going to choke. It's just it's the numbers. It's hard to win. And when you lead for three straight days, unless you're winning by four or something, it, it's really, really difficult to uh, to keep your your foot on the pedal and, and play well coming in. You know, the last guy to win wire to wire 
Do you, do you know the answer to this? I would guess Stuart Sink, Harbor Town. Ooh. Okay. So <laughs> I love when I ask a question I don't know the answer to. So Nick Taylor definitely did it uh, at Pebble Beach in 2020. And I yeah. thought that was the most recent, but I don't remember. I'll we'll we'll look into that to see if Stuart to see if Stuart Sink did it. But um I thought it was Nick Taylor. So we'll find we'll find out. But you're to your point, winning wire to wire is very, very hard to do. Um the FedEx Cup standings, and I know we are two events into this, so I know this is kind of silly to look at, but Sam Burns and Max Homa lead the way. Maverick McNeely, Nick Watney, Cameron Young, all that good stuff. I, I do think it is worth noting, Greg, and we are seeing this trend on the PGA tour, especially with how many more events we are getting in this fall portion of the schedule that these points are worth the same. The 500 for winning the Sanderson farms is the same as the 500 you're going to get for winning at Pebble beach or the 500 you're going to get in Phoenix or the 500 you're going to get at Valspar. You know, like this is, we are seeing more players embrace this version of the fall schedule. We're going to see it next week at Shriners. There's some big names there as well. Like this is, this is an important time of the year. Yes. Um, and, and it's a, it's brilliant in its design with making the points all equal because they're, you're trying to get people to, this is why you go to FedEx cup points rather than official money. You want to incentivize people to come out and play in your less than marquee events. Um, not that, and that doesn't take away anything from any of the events on the PGA tour. It's just saying, Hey, if, if you win on tour, you are deserving of this because it's so hard to do. And I totally get it because there are times where you can go play in a less than, um, you know, a a non elevated event. Let's just say that. And it could be a weak field, but you could come down the stretch head to head with John Rahm. And so I've thought for a long time that field strength, maybe there's a way that field strengths adjusted based on the leaderboard based on who, where, where the players rank in the world or in the FedEx cup, where they end up on the final page of the leaderboard. Like who did you beat in the whole event? That's one thing, but who did you beat on Sunday is another layer to this. And I I think you'd find out that guys on Sunday are um, playing some pretty, pretty stiff competition, no matter what the event. So I totally get that. And, and it does make the fall ever it makes it so important and, and it incentivizes guys to play. You'll see the top guys play two to three and that number has been rising, but two to three events in the fall portion. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Jacob did confirm Nick Taylor, the last wire to wire victory, I, I believe. So I'm just looking at the leaderboard from Harbor town on Thursday at Harbor town. Cameron Smith shot a 62. Stuart Sink shot a 63. So he was uh, one shot back. I believe he then led the right. rest of the way because he also shot another 63 on Friday, which is you're very, right. very good golf. So I believe that yeah. is the key. And most people, if you're questioning at home, wire to wire is technically you lead with no ties, Greg. Uh, there, I, I've been corrected on this over the years. If you tie for the lead at any point after any round, you did not go wire to wire after the round, uh, after the round. And right, right, right. Yes. That makes, that makes sense. I mean, lead, the leader co-lead thing is always interesting. There's, there's definitely a, a, a separation between those two. Um, 
so yeah, I, I totally understand. Love, yeah, love what Jacob says here. This is our monthly. <laughs> Jacob wire. says this is our monthly wire to wire talk. It's because you know, you know how this came up is because I thought DJ went wire to wire at the November Masters, but he didn't. He co-led after a couple of rounds. Now he was a co-leader after every single round, but he was he was not in the lead. So I will never right. forget this, and I will bring it up every month. Yeah, and I, I don't <laughs> mind that delineation and i don't mind you bringing it up every month i mean if you bring it up every episode that might you know might be you might last one month with that but um yeah so sahith was leader he was the solo leader after the first three rounds and that's a lot of pressure that's that that's my point and and it's very likely that that happens so unless you can build that really big lead if if you're leading by one after every round there's just a likelihood that you're going to play a, a bad round. It's very likely going to happen. So most of the time when you see a, a true wire to wire win, like Nick Taylor, it's a little bit of a runaway. There's yeah. a couple of, or even the way Stuart sink played at Harbor town. I know he didn't lead after Thursday, but he shot yeah. 63 in the first round. It, it's very, and, and I think it was a Friday morning that he went out and shot 63, the second one. So he was on top of the leaderboard, what felt like all week and very early on, he gets back on top. So yeah, I I understand where you're coming from, but that was my whole point there with, with Sahith is it, it, it's not, it's not the end of the world for him. It's a, it's a learning curve and he'll be able to, he'll be able to write the ship. Sahith, you're going to be just fine. Keep, keep going out there and playing some golf. You'll be just fine. Here's what we have to do. We have to reconcile our best bets. We have to reconcile our one and done. And, oh, Greg, we have to talk about the long drive competition that Bryson DeChambeau competed in over the course of this week. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. And that's because the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe has some great features like the available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, and much, much more. So think about those places that you want to go, the things that you'd like to do this weekend and where the Santa Fe can take you. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. And we're back. Bryson DeChambeau 
goes to the PLDA Pro Long Drivers Association World Championship where some of the longest hitters in the world, Kyle Berkshire, Justin James, Martin Borgmeyer, all show up, and he does pretty good, Greg. Sixth, makes it to the final eight. Uh, if you want to rank it out by the time he got eliminated and how far he hit it, sixth longest driver at the world championships. Let's just start with your initial reactions to him even going and then actually competing at this thing. I'm I'm not surprised, but the timing of it surprises me. The fact that it's the week after the Ryder Cup is a little surprising to me. Um, you know, he's in the gym training during the Ryder Cup. Now, I, I do think that's oversold a little bit. The fact that he was preparing for this leading up to the Ryder Cup, like it's a huge deal. I mean, we, how quick do we forget the U.S. Open where he's speed training before the U.S. Open? It's been a part of his routine since the fall of 2019. And, and that's what he does. Now, maybe getting ready for this in crunch time when he says, yeah, my hands are completely ripped up. I, I've Maybe he's turned it up a notch and that's concerning. But speed training in general for Bryson, it is, it's not a big deal. It's part of his regular routine. And he's been doing it for a long time. And it's proven to have a, a positive impact on his game. So the fact that it's the week after the Ryder cup surprising to me, because you would think heading in, you don't want to have your focus anywhere, but the Ryder cup, uh, you don't want to have to worry about track. You don't want to have to worry about anything, but the Ryder cup. That's the one thing that surprises me. Yeah, for, for sure. And I listen, I, I was out there. I, I watched this, uh, for four days. It was, it was interesting to see in person. Um, the, idea that Bryson could be one of the longest drivers to me was nonsensical before the week started. I did not think there was any chance, but the way that this event kind of works, Greg, is that his accuracy, believe it or not, his accuracy was really one of the most important parts of the week because on the PGA, it's, it's, it's a fascinating concept on the PGA tour, his distance is the huge separator in the long drive competition? His accuracy is the huge separator. Most guys no, how, are. How is that? How is that separate? How does that separate him? In because it, it, you you don't get points for fairways, right? You get points for your longest drive that's yep. in a fairway. Am I so? Right I, I I I funny you asked that. I literally asked him the same question, and the response is basically this. So yes, whatever your longest drive is, if you only get one out of six in the grid, that's your longest drive. But what happens is he hits the grid literally two or three times more often than the rest of his playing competitors. His peers are yeah. hitting it like 20 or 25% of the time. He's hitting it like 75% of the time. And he told me to my face, it puts a lot of pressure on everybody else because the ebbs and flows of this, of this event, Greg, everyone hits at the same time. So everyone hits their first drive and they all look around for what the results were. And when they see that he posts 340, which is not, overly long in most situations but the fact that he posts a number already starts putting pressure on the other guys to actually hit the grid and post a number and he said that is like basically his biggest weapon in these events is just peppering the grid that's amazing i mean it's one thing if you could be like a fairway finder at 340 yeah <laughs> that's kind of yeah. a that's different but i understand he, he's once you get one on early 
my my um, imagination would say, okay, I only got to get one out of five that counts. Once I get one on early and it's at three forty and it's reasonable, I can tune it up a little bit. I can start to freewheel a little bit. It, it's like serving your double fault serve first, Correct. knowing that nobody can return it. It's like if you get it in the box, then you get credit for it, and so then you just have at it in in your in the in the uh, in the remaining ones. So it's very interesting. But uh, yeah, Rick, I'm not I'm not overly surprised that he competed the way that he did. I, I think it makes a lot of sense. There are actually some guys who take two drivers with them, and one is like their 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 play driver, and they try to put one in in the grid, and then when they do, they whip out the big boy, and they just absolutely cut it loose. So there's a little bit of strategy involved, and I know the next question uh, is is generally around Bryson. Bryson is is. Extremely polarizing. Let's be clear, Greg. You either you, a lot of people have picked a side on Bryson, and I think the last the last week or ten days for him has been pretty good. Would you say that there has been a a positive takeaway from the Ryder Cup? Right, he gets two and a half points. He's kind of I'm not going to call him Captain America, but he goes out and drives the green on number one on Sunday against Sergio Garcia. He rolls the putt in. He was, uh, I think, very positively viewed during the Ryder Cup. Would you agree? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. He looks like the good guy in this coming out of out of the Ryder Cup w- without question. Uh, and and he's fun. He's enjoyable. He looks like the guy that's accepting. He he's the guy that's saying with open arms, if if you can get on my team, I'm here and I welcome you. He's he's the welcoming one. And I'm referring to Bryson and Brooks, but but that's the that's where the polarizing nature really comes from. And in the way that he played and in the way that he handled that whole situation and in the way that his teammates um, appreciated him and, and helped him, it was, it went along, all of that went a long way. And his play especially was, I think, very important. And to go out there with Scotty and, and do some things to get the crowd riled up and, you know, <laughs> pulling three, the thing that stands out to me is pulling three wood and everybody is having a heart. I'm still going for the green. Right. He's got that kind of, he, he knows how to get, how to work the crowd up. And so I, yeah, I would say uh, the golf world has a, a much more positive view of Bryson now than they did. I'd say, you know, a month ago. I completely agree with you. Uh, and I will also say from the scene uh, and, and I've been very critical of Bryson at times in the past, he could not have been better. He was with his playing competitors. Uh, he did not want to step on any toes. He wanted to just be a part of what everyone else did. He wanted to showcase those athletes. He was great with competitors and media. He signed every single autograph, took every single picture, lined them, lined them up. Doesn't didn't matter how long it was going to take. I'm hoping uh, that this quote unquote new Bryson Greg can uh, can last for a little while. It was nice to see. I'll be frank. Look, he, the thing that I admire about Bryson is he is not afraid to be Bryson. Definitely true. And so with that, you have times like these where it's extremely positive and we have a a very, uh, a very positive outlook on him. There are going to be other times where he says things that we think are crazy. And, and there are enough anti Bryson people out there where when he says these things, they're going to get on him about it. So I expect us, I almost expect a cycle here 
where <laughs> things go and, and people get on him and then he he continues to do what he does and people come and go and and the beauty of what bryson does and has done for his whole career through college through the single length clubs through every aspect of his career i admire it so much he is bryson and he's not afraid of uh he, he's not afraid of he's not afraid of being bryson right not at all <laughs> and there are a lot of people that are there are a lot of people that are so yeah i i don't think that this is going to be he and bryson after the 2021 Ryder cup or the 2020 Ryder cup sailed off into the sunset and was golf's greatest hero for the rest of time i don't think we're going to have a situation like that I, I do think he'll say something that people get all worked up about again in the future and that's just the that's the way it is but he will be a constant in my opinion uh- I'll, I'll leave it with this. The 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 world of competitive long drive, Greg, is in a very, very awkward position. There is no one that really owns the broadcasting rights to it. Golf Channel dropped it a couple of years ago. There are a couple of very interesting characters like Kyle Berkshire, who won the world championship this week. Uh, Justin James, Bryson DeChambeau. I guess you have to throw him in there because it seems like he's going to continue to do this at least a little bit. We live in a world now where more people are aware of ball speed, club speed, how far they're carrying it. Is there a legitimate future for the long drive or is this like a home run derby in baseball and it's kind of quirky and fun to see once a year and then we don't really talk about it ever again? Um, it, it's hard to picture a world where long drive has a, you know, a circuit mm. and they're going from town to town and it's a, really big deal um i i think it's a it's more of a novelty item it may grow in popularity but i don't see it i don't see it rivaling the game of golf in a way and part of that is people people can't really do it the beauty is the <laughs> definitely golf, cannot <laughs> you, we can all go play and if you're not along you just go play the you go play forward tees you go move up a tee box and if you're longer, you move back a tee box. But you're not going to see people out there all of a sudden on the range having long drive contests, bringing up multiple drivers and dialing. It, it just it takes a little bit too much. And so I, I think it loses a little bit of its um, relatability, if you will, where people feel like, oh, I can I can do that. I, I don't think people will get to that point with long drive. So I think that is a limiter in its popularity. The format in general is a limiter. There are some creative things they could do to make it more enjoyable, to make it uh, a bigger deal when it does come around. Maybe you have it twice. I, I just, I don't see it being a, a regular schedule with a season and standings. I, I don't personally see that, but, but I've been, I've been dying to ask you, when you left, what what was your number one? What was your number one takeaway from the World Long Drive? Something you loved, didn't love? Somebody who impressed you? Something you you didn't expect to see and saw? What, what what's your what's on your list? Here? Yeah, so I um I, I was pretty impressed, I, and I think I'm I'm much more bullish about the future of it. There there needs to be tweaking. The fact that the World Championships with 28 play 128 golfers. Uh, or hitters, I think they call them, lasted four days is inexcusable. You could do it in two, you could whatever. But when we got down to the final 32 or 16, 
it was kind of crazy, Greg. I, I I saw things that I had never seen before. These guys are hitting the ball at such velocities, and s- like to see it go off in front of you is special. Now, whether that is relatable over a stream or on a broadcast, I don't know. And maybe there's technology that will help with that. But my takeaway is that um, while this may not be a full on circuit that can kind of sustain its own, there. I think there's something here. I don't know what it is. I think that I think it's highly character dependent. I think it's personality dependent. The fact that we have a Kyle Berkshire who's who's very popular uh, is great, and the fact that Bryson is going to apparently be involved moving forward is great. But it's it's personality driven. Um, I, I think there's something there, but it needs there's there's got to be a better way to execute it. We, we've got to figure that part out. But there are things that you're going to see them do that you don't think humans should be able to do. Yeah. The numbers that they, the numbers they produce are insane. It, regularly. Like, like insane. Like, and again, it's hard. I use the word insane to describe a lot of things. It, it's actually insane. Like it's, it's mind boggling to see a ball come off a club face. Like they, like they do. Right. The numbers are, I mean, I have, I've been a, a longer hitter amongst my peers for, for a lot of my career. Once I got a feel for what I'm doing, I, I'm, I can, I'm a, a long hitter in a, again, with my peers, right? Guys that are around scratch golfers. I, I hit it plenty far. And their club head speeds approach my, I mean, they, they're approaching my ball speeds. It's crazy. It's insane. I mean, yeah. it, it's, if I'm a 170 or so guy right there, I mean, they're swinging the club at 150 miles an hour. 150. There are very, 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 very good players I know who can shoot under par at any, at the blink of an eye on a championship golf course whose ball speed is 150 and their club head speeds are 150. I know it's a different game. I know they're tw- training for it specifically, and that's all that they care about. I know, but still, we've all stood there on a driving range with a golf club and a ball in our hands. You, you're not getting close to that. No, it's it's amazing. Yeah. So it was fun. I'm I'm interested to see how it goes. Bryson seems to uh, be willing to be involved moving forward, which I think will help. But uh, we shall see. Let's put a cap on our best bets and our one and done. So we got three official best bets from last week for myself, Kyle, and Coach, who were on the Tuesday Megapod. Uh, myself and Coach, we lost. I had Sung JM finishing inside the top twenty, which he finished thirty first was well inside that number for the first two rounds, unfortunately. And then Coach had Will Zalatoris beating Sung J.M., in which um, Zalatoris faltered on the weekend, 71-73. He dropped to minus five and finished T42, so Sung J beat him there. Kyle Porter did get his best bet correct. That was Mito Pereira over Sebastian Munoz and Cameron Davis. Hold on one second. Yeah, this is right. Okay, my bad. Zalatoris did beat Sungjae. Sal- Zalatoris finished T14. Sungjae finished T31. So Coach and Kyle win. I lose, Greg. That is the actor. There you go. Thank you. There you Woo. go. Sorry about that. Yep. No worries. I'm in a push for me. So there you go. And a push for you. What was your What was your best bet? Uh, no bet. I push. didn't have one this week. 
Yeah, I didn't get one in, so push. Even split. Yeah, we, we had to do the Tuesday show hey, a little bit early. That's my fault. Rick, you know what? Um, if you've ever read the man in the arena quote, this is exactly what it is. If you, uh, if you don't have the courage to go out there and get in the arena and play, well, that's your loss, right? So I can't judge. But hey, good plan. Best bets, they're tough. It's tough to choose one. It's tough to hit on one bet in the game of golf. I, I always feel like if you took... If you took football and you said, okay, one game this week, I got to get one game right, and I don't care what the odds are. I, I feel like you could do it. Maybe that's crazy. Maybe that's wrong. But uh, in golf, it's just brutally hard. It It's <laughs> brutally hard. One and done picks. Let's see. We had a couple of us get $0. Oh, thank you, Jacob. Okay, so here we go. Zeros. Kyle got zero from Keegan Bradley. Missed the cut. He gone. Coach got zero from Sebastian Munoz. Cut. He gone. Greg, you also had the former Sanderson Farms champion, Sebastian Munoz. Zero dollars, sir. Yeah. Unfortunate. Yeah, he's a risky kind of a pick. Um, He's he's really risky. So I um, assume that risk when you assume that when you play here. Now, the hard thing about this for me is that he, um, that I missed the cut last week. So at the start of the year, I'm at $0 right now through two events. Mm-hmm. Now, the the idea with going with Sebastian Munoz is it's a long season, and I'm not picking based on what I did last week. I'm not going to get myself in a situation Mark. where I choose someone that I that I want to use later on to try to yeah. catch up now. Yeah. Don't press in week that. two. You don't press in week two. Yeah. So I took a risk that I think is a calculated risk. I think this is a great venue for Sebastian Munoz. Obviously. And yeah. And, and I, I, so I, I thought he had a good chance of performing. Well, my confidence level wasn't extremely high, but I thought there was a chance for a really good week. And I don't feel like I lost out on a whole lot. So, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm almost a million behind Mark, but I'm going to have to have, it looks like another multi major win season to get myself back in the mix. Do you ever notice that Sebastian Munoz wears is it, wears a, uh, a rain glove all the time. You ever yes. notice that? Do you yeah, know why I, that is? I did. Well, they, mm, I don't know why he does one. <laughs> I'll they last a long time. Mm. Rain gloves last a little bit longer because the, the tack is different. It, it, uh, the leather, which I prefer can wear out a little quicker depending on what it is on what it is and how often you play and how much your hands sweat. If your hands sweat a lot, a rain glove can, can be really effective. Uh, that's why Sebastian Munoz wears one. Very sweaty. Oh, hands. Really? Yeah, yeah. 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 There you go. I mean, it, it, your grip rain gloves in the rain are, have you ever worn them, Rick? Uh, so I'm blessed that I do not play a lot of golf in the rain, Greg, uh, from where I live. But however, I, yes, I have. So I always have a pair uh, of both. I have both of them, right hand and left hand in my bag waiting for the moment. And I have swung with them, but like not all the time, but I've, I've put on both of them and I've, I've swung around. Yeah. It's, um, if going with both, if it's a monsoon, it's great. And and it's highly recommended. If it's just raining, um, then sometimes you can get away with just one. Like if it's just, you know, you're it, it's just a little wet and it's a pain to keep your glove hand dry. 
it's a pain to keep your typical glove dry. But but the rain glove changes your confidence level dramatically, and it makes the rain it makes playing in the rain a lot easier, quite frankly. So I'm a huge proponent of rain gloves, and I don't even mind them in regular play, um, it, especially if you're a guy with with really sweaty hands. Greg recommends wearing rain gloves. I recommend not playing in the rain if you can avoid yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. See, I'm what they call a mutter, Rick. I play if I have a chance to play. Only lightning will will hold me up. I I only play in Las Vegas and Southern California, so I do not see a lot of rain. Yeah, so, there you go. There you go. Uh, let's see what else do we have here. Mark, who now extends to eight hundred and five thousand for the season, went with Mito Pereira, got forty two thousand seven eighty eight, as did Sia Najad, forty two thousand seven eighty eight from Mito Pereira. Jacob got twenty eight thousand. Are you coming on, Jacob? Twenty eight thousand from Charlie Hoffman. T39 to move his season total to 343, 350. Now, Jacob, through two weeks, sir, through two weeks, sir, you are still in second. This is like you're basically front running at this point. Uh, you know, we're not gonna make any comments. I'm just keeping my head down. It's a long season. Like we say, every dollar matters from here on out. Uh, and I think I speak for all the viewers whenever we talk about the sympathy we have for you, Rick, with your tough life of only getting to play golf in <laughs> Southern California and Las Vegas. Uh, it's yeah. real tough. I mean, as someone who just moved from South Florida uh, to a climate that has varying weather, that's not hot and slightly less hot. Uh, I'm kind of looking forward to fall golf right now. But, you know, yeah, I uh, can. Keep, sympathy keep your, for you. Uh, keep Jacob, your, you keep your ring gloves handy. I don't. I don't know fall golf. Yeah, you get. Fall you get golf, like in South Carolina, in, in uh, the Carolinas, in either of the Carolinas, <laughs> golf in the fall is like as good. It, it's it's primo. Oh yeah, I look forward to it. Right. I mean, it, but yeah. it, there's nothing fall about it. It's just it, it would fall into the category of less hot, I guess. Because yeah, it's great weather. Start in perfect weather. Yeah, I mean, you you throw the rain gloves on just because you know you're. It's a little chilly out. Yeah, or you, even, you know, yeah. yeah. The, the only the the number one reason to wear uh, both rain gloves, Jacob, is to be like Tommy Two. Channel your inner Tommy Two gloves. Correct. Exactly. That's my cat. Birdie is on a mission right now. <laughs> that's that's no comment. But yeah, we uh, you know, I just love channeling Tommy Two gloves. I no lie, my dad took us to the PGA Championship one time uh, when it was at the Atlanta Athletic Club. And I'm pretty sure we just watched Tommy Two Gloves on the putting green for like 20 minutes. Channel, Jacob, channel, uh, yeah. <laughs> channel your inner Tommy Two Gloves on the course, not off the course. I'm glad that's your cat, by the way, Jacob, because otherwise it, you'd have a problem. Yeah, that's if that's not if, bolting into the wall either. So we could have problems. If you're watching on YouTube, uh, Birdie, Jacob's cat, is ascending something a bookshelf i believe behind yeah we just got this bookshelf. it's actually pretty riveting quite frankly we just got this bookshelf anyway anyway twenty eight thousand dollars from charlie hoffman for producer jacob there's someone else who won oh that's me i won the week 162,750 from hv3 harold varner the third i moved to third place for the season and uh i guess i'm happy greg i picked sam like in our picks to win i picked sam burns which maybe i just should have played him in the one and done <laughs> but i like him a lot so maybe i was gonna yeah. save him <laughs> i know it, the hard thing that's the hard thing about early in the season it, you are you that sure 
for instance, Mito Pereira, I, and I'm not calling out Mark here. I'm just, he was another guy and on my kind of watch list. And, and I feel like Mito might have an explosion year. And so I, I felt like it was too early, even though he was coming off a great week to play him. Sam Burns, is he going to turn into a guy that's, that's a contender in a major, is he going to be a, a guy that you're thinking about for the players? So I totally understand where you're coming from, but at the same time, how many times is he really going to win? So this is the battle that you got to play. If, if he doesn't win before at at the beginning of the week, if he comes in, you know, tied 28, what kind of money are you going to get? So it's risky. It's the beauty of this game. Now begins Greg, the infamous Las Vegas swing two weeks. Shriners, CJ Cup. Guess who will be on site credentialed for this event? These two Ooh, events. Credentialed. Las Vegas Rick. Las Vegas Rick. I'll be out. Are there. you inside the ropes? What kind of credential are we talk? I don't here? think I, I don't think I'm player's there. locker room. No, I no, no, no. I just think I I just think I don't have to pay. Like whatever the lowest level of credential is, I'm pretty sure that's what I have. Okay. Hey. If they let me inside the ropes, they they sh- they shouldn't. They shouldn't. I do deserve to be inside the ropes. Have they seen I your don't. your video blog? I mean, you know what you're doing out there. Yeah, you're right. I could probably just uh, just tag in for some of these guys and hit some shots if they need me to. Celeb shot. Yeah, you <laughs> could do that. Celeb shot. Yeah, maybe on. Yeah, maybe on a practice round. Uh, anything else, Greg? Before we get out of here, you want to talk? Uh, I'm looking forward to the Vegas swing. Yeah, baby. And I'm, I'm looking really looking forward to hearing your thoughts on it. It's actually a pretty good field. I mean, Brooks is playing. Victor's playing at the Shriners. Uh, there's actually a pretty there's a pretty decent field coming up. I'm excited. Yeah, and you know, CJ Cup will be great too. So we should have Correct. a couple, a uh, couple good ones in a row. Should be fun. Love it. For now, let me thank producer Jacob. Does all the hard work behind the scenes. That right there. That's Greg Ducharme. You can find him on Twitter at the Real GFD. You can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been the first cut, and we'll catch you next time. winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.